We are, of course, the Great Lakes Dream Center. And a lot of times, like I said last week, people think, well, are you a sleep center? No. However, dreams do happen while you're sleeping. So we looked biblically at the fact that about a third of the Bible are, is about dreams or visions. And so it's kind of cool how God uses dreams to talk to us. Now, of course, modern day science explains it as, you know, your subconscious is processing things or it's leftover pizza or whatever, you know, they try to explain that. But we know biblically that God talks to us in our dreams. Now, a lot of people think that when they have nightmares that it's like, from the devil, like it's a bad dream or it's, it's Satan trying to talk to you. But we don't see in the Bible anywhere where dreams came from anyone other than God. So, you know, we've been looking at like, well, why do we have nightmares? Why do we have sometimes reoccurring dreams? What do these dreams mean? Are they literal? Um, thankfully, we don't have too many little ones. Claudia's heading out, but go on, keep going. There you go. Um, you know, what about the sex dreams, right? Like, well, if I have a dream that I'm having sex from my neighbor and you're telling me that all the dreams are from God, does that mean I need to leave my husband and go sleep with that guy? No, that is not what I'm saying. So we, as we've been going through all of this, if you missed last week's, it was a great introduction. Please go back. You can go on Facebook Live. You can get on the YouTube channel in a, in a week or two and you can... Um, see our, the sermon from that week. But I told you I would kind of go into a little bit more detail today. So before I get into some of the scriptures, let's talk about the sex dreams. What is sex? It's unity. It's coming together. The Bible calls it two people becoming one. So when two things become one, they become united. So how I explained it last week, and I'm going to continue to explain it this way, is that all of the dreams are symbolic. So everything is symbolic. So if you are having a, like a sex dream with somebody and you wake up and you're like, oh my gosh, right? What is that supposed to mean? It, that is a unity with that person. Now, people do not represent themselves. People represent something symbolically. I explained to you last week, Todd wasn't here, but he's going to hear about it now that whenever he's in one of my dreams, he represents intelligence because he's one of the most the smartest guys I know, right? That's my view of him. This is why dream dictionaries that you find online or that you purchase don't work. That's the world that is trying to explain dreams and whoever the author is is writing down what they feel those things mean. So the author might say, if a dog is in your dream, dogs are man's best friend. And so a dog represents friends. But if you were traumatized by a dog when you were younger because you were bit by a dog, you might see dogs as being fearful or something dangerous. So when God talks to us, it's personal. He doesn't have a copy of the newest dream journal dictionary up, upstairs, and he's like looking to see which, which things he should put in your dream. He knows in your heart how you react and how you feel about these things. So people are symbolic, and so if your neighbor reminds you, let's say, of um, wealth and money, and you have a dream of uniting with wealth and money, then that is what the symbolic purpose of that means. And so then the next question will be, what was the action then that occurred? What caused you to 
to be united with wealth. Well, in my dream, I journeyed to this certain place and I did this action and then I was united with wealth and it felt really good and it was a positive thing. Okay, well then that might be instructions for, from God that when you, when you go down this path, it's gonna unite you with wealth. But now if you just wake up and you just describe like, well, you know, I went to work and I worked two double shifts and then I ended up uniting with my neighbor. Oh my gosh, I wonder what that means. How about when you start working double shifts, you're going to have more wealth, right? Like, I mean, that seems like a simple dream, but why would God do that then? Why doesn't God just show up and just say, you keep asking me for more money and you just, if you, you, you got some, you know, overtime opportunities at work, if you take advantage of that, you're going to have more money. Because God wants you to feel it. He wants you to experience it. And we talked about how when you go to the movies and you see something, it's visual, how your emotion goes with it. It's one thing to be in a classroom and have somebody say that six million people died in the Holocaust. One million of them were children. It's another thing to see Schindler's List and all of a sudden see the little girl in the red dress when the whole movie's been in black and white and you, all of a sudden you realize that little girl is gonna be dead tomorrow. All of a sudden now, the thought of those children dying becomes real and you begin to feel it and you begin to experience it. So dreams are from God and he uses them to get us to have an emotional reaction. So when we wake up and we then look at the action, we look at the setting, we look at the symbolic things that were going on, we say, what's going on in my waking life? Is this an instruction of what to do? Is this confirmation about a decision I've made? Is this a warning to not do something different in the future here? And all of a sudden, that feeling drives you to change. One of the most perfect examples I can tell you about is a friend of mine had a very abusive father. And this was a guy, and you know he was masculine, he was tough, and he could handle it, and he didn't need to talk about that, Mary. You know, I know you're doing your pastoral counseling thing, and you think you need to overanalyze everybody, and you want to have me sit on your couch and have you tell you about my childhood, but I'm okay, I'm good. It just made me tough. I'm all right. But there was enough things in, in his life that I interacted with him and his wife and his children about, that I knew that some of that stuff was affecting him and how he reacted to them. Because let's be real, we, we learn how our parents parented us, whether or not that it was good or bad. We end up having that come out of us and, and we struggle sometimes with the part of it that we don't want to do. And I was like, we need to talk about it, we need to pray about it, we need to break off the spirit of anger. Nope, 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 I'm fine. Okay, you're fine. That's nice. Have a good day. About a month later, all of a sudden, I get this frantic text message and, and a request to talk on the phone. And I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, I, I, I just had a nightmare. Satan is tormenting me. Satan, Satan gave me a really bad dream. I'm like, ah, biblically, I don't think that happens. But okay, tell me about your dream. Well, my dream... I got really angry at my wife and I beat her up. 
He's like, but I would never do that, Mary. I have never laid a hand on a woman. I would never, ever beat my wife up. And I just woke up this morning, and I just felt horrible, and I felt like um, just disgusting, and that I beat her up, and I could just see the blood on her, and blah, blah, blah. And so I said, well, first of all, Satan doesn't give us dreams, but God probably gave you that dream. Why would God give me that dream? I'm not going to beat her up. I said, this is symbolic. First of all, we could talk about whether or not verbally you beat her up, right? That's one whole line we can take. The second thing we can do is say, there is this spirit that's on you that you've had since childhood that you've never broken off, that you've never you know, given anybody permission to pray with you and to do that. I said, you know, maybe this is a warning from God saying, you don't, that feeling of disgust that you just had, you don't want to have that again. That's, it's time to discuss this. It's time to talk about this. It's time to break it off. And remember how I said, when you hear an interpretation of a dream, you, you feel that confirmation in your heart because of the Holy Spirit that's in you when it's the correct interpretation. Last week we looked at Pharaoh. Now you can't tell me in Egypt with all of his wise men that he had and everybody trying to tell him what the, what the seven cows coming out of the water meant that nobody gave him an interpretation. They all tried to tell him what they thought it meant, but it didn't confirm in his heart, so he kept saying, no, that's not it, that's not it, that's not it. And it wasn't until they brought Joseph up and out of the prison and he said, this is what it means, that he said, yes, that's what it means. So somebody can give you an interpretation, but when it hits you in the heart, all of a sudden you know that's what it meant. So this man that was telling me about beating up his wife and the dream and how upsetting it was, when all of a sudden, we, you know, by talking to him and going to God, the, the interpretation was correct. All of a sudden, in his heart, he knew that was it. And honestly, he felt better. He was like, oh my gosh, so that's good. God's not saying I'm going to beat her up. Or Satan's not trying to tempt me to beat her up. But rather, God was giving him an emotion, a feeling of disgust of this being on his life. And it was a warning to say, it's time for you to face this and break it off and to pray about it and to deal with it. And so dreams can change your life. And that's what happened in the Bible. They knew that these dreams were from God and they listened to them and they paid attention to them. Now, one of the things people say is, Mary, I don't dream. Well, you do dream, you just don't remember your dreams. In the Bible, they didn't have alarm clocks. They would just wake up naturally. When you wake up naturally and you lay there and you begin to replay the dream in your head and you write it down right away, or you say it, like for me, I have them on my phone and my voice memos, then you will be able to reflect on it. You'll be able to remember it. You'll be able to look at it. Unfortunately, we live in a society where we go to bed super late, we have an alarm clock go off, or we're interrupted with our sleep, and we just get right up and we start rushing around, and so we don't reflect on the dream, and then we typically lose the dream. But when God really is trying to get a point across to us, we'll have a repetitive dream, right? And we talked about that last week and how we have repetitive dreams over and over and over again. And sometimes these dreams, again, like I said, because they're from God, they can either inspire you to, to greatness. I remember having this dream, and it was in three parts. Usually if it's... If, you will have more than one dream in a night, and usually it's the same theme in these dreams. And God is trying to... To, to drive home a point. 
And I remember having this dream, and in the first part of my dream, I was, uh, there was this, this he's, he's a preacher, most of you probably don't know who he is, but to me, I know who he is and what his ministry is like, and his name is um, A.L. Gill. Okay, so he's a pastor, and he has, um, you know, he's pretty well known for like a healing ministry, but he also goes into different countries and does evangelism and things like that. And that was in my first dream. A.L. Gill was in my house, and he was staying with us because he was going to be preaching at one of the local churches. In my next dream, I was hanging out with Joyce Meyer. She was on our deathbed. And I was one of the family members that was taking turns 24 hours to stay with her until she took her last breath. And so I was there, like personally there with hanging out with Joyce Meyer. And then the third part of my dream, I was invited over and I was heading over to a celebrity's house. Like a big time celebrity. If I said the name, you would know. I'm not going to tell you the name because it's not that person. It's symbolic. Okay, everybody. And so... I remember like that dream just being so vivid and me like writing it down when I got up. But it was like this Holy Spirit thing where it was like I couldn't let go of the dream. I couldn't stop thinking about the dream. And so at the church I was attending, there was a woman. She was one of the elders. And I remember going to her and telling her about the dream. And she began to interpret it for me. She goes, Mary, you're going to have a ministry. And you're going to be able to have the gift of faith and healing like A.L. Gill. You're going to be able to have the gift of teaching like Joyce Myers. You will be able to have the gift of like public speaking and, and being in the public eye like the celebrity is. And at the time, I was just a stay-at-home mom who volunteered at the kids' school. And I was just like, okay. Now, in my heart, I knew that she was, like, I could feel that confirmation that that was right, but it didn't look like that in my regular everyday life. But what did it do? It opened me up to, all right, I'm going to start studying about healing, right? Like, I'm going to start, you know, taking classes on, you know, biblical studies or on this and that. So all of a sudden now I'll be in a place, if that ever does occur, where I'll know biblically what to do. It began to prepare me. So just like we talked about how Joseph had the dream of his brothers bowing down to him, it didn't happen in that moment. But he began to prepare for that. He began to know when all of a sudden he's put in prison, when he's, when he's now become a slave, that this isn't the end-all, be-all. I'm not going to be the worst slave in the world and just stay in the kitchens. i got to learn. i got to grow. i got to be a leader because one day I'm going to be leading and my brothers are going to be bowing down to me. And Joseph began to begin to rise up in that culture and to be able to lead things and run things. So sometimes God gives us a dream to inspire us. And that's why we say, I have a dream. Why do you think Martin Luther King Jr., who was a Christian pastor, said, I have a dream? Because God put that dream in him. God puts dreams in us. He puts desires in us because he wants us to ask then for that to be done so he can do it for us. Sometimes we don't know to say, Lord, give me the ability to be a good Bible teacher. Give me the ability to be a public speaker. And remember what I said earlier, you have not because you ask not. He has to give you the dream so then you'll begin to ask so that you can get to that point so he can then fulfill the dream in your life. But sometimes he sends the dream to warn us. Sometimes he sends the dream to get us to change our path. Sometimes, you know, 
I was talking about how like when you have a dream of sex, how it means unity. And again, it's all about what are you feeling when you're having that dream? Sometimes people have sexual dreams or dreams about different type of sin or lust things where the feeling isn't good. It's not like, oh, I'm in unity with this and it feels good and it leads to something else. It's, oh no, that felt disgusting and I'm having a problem here. And sometimes it's more not necessarily symbolic, but it's more literal. And maybe in your waking life, you have a big pornography problem. Or maybe you are entertaining the thought of having an affair. And so then all of a sudden you have a dream about that, and then when you wake up, it feels gross, it feels bad. So just like how that man had a dream about beating up his wife and he woke up, he felt bad about it. He felt like this, this, this in his heart of, I can't believe I did that. And so that was God saying, deal with this issue in your life so that it doesn't happen in your real waking life because you know you would be ashamed of yourself if you ever did that. So sometimes dreams are saying, hey, you're on the wrong path. Hey, don't go down that way. Hey, maybe it's time for you to examine your waking life and say, what do I need to stop doing? What do I need to do differently? And so a lot of the dream interpretation is based on how did that make you feel? What was going on? Were you afraid? Is this something you're fearful of? Is this something that you don't want to happen? I mentioned it last week, but I'll mention it again. My reoccurring dream I had until I learned about dream interpretation and really sought God and understood the, 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 what was going on was I would be in a situation, this would happen repeatedly in my dreams. The bad guy would come in, he's robbing the store, and I'm crouched down in the back with my cell phone trying to call 911. And no matter what I did in any of the dreams, it would always be like 912, 933. 811. Like I could not, the whole dream would be this torment of me trying to ask for help and I could never get help while the bad guy's on this rampage and people are dying and bad things are happening. When I finally understood it and I went to God and He was saying, Mary, in your waking life, you are having stressful things are happening, bad things are happening, and you're not asking for help whether it's from me or from the people around you, you're not asking for help. You need to ask for help. You, you think you're asking for help, but you're not asking for help in the right way. So then it's like, oh, so, you know, I had that dream that night. I thought about my waking life. I realized what was going on. I'm trying to do it all on my own because I thought I'm all that in a bag of chips, and I'm not. So I had to call a Dorito and say, hey, help me with this, right? Seriously, and they came and they helped. It was way better because Doritos are way better than potato chips anyhow. And the situation got taken care of, and I didn't have that reoccurring dream again. But about a year later or so, I was in a different situation, all of a sudden that night I have that dream. Instantly that morning, before I even got out of bed, I got my email out, and <laughs> I'm like, hey, we need help with this situation. I'm trying to deal with this, but I need some help. And I didn't have that reoccurring dream again, because it used to be I'd have it for like a week in a row, and every morning I'd wake up and be like, oh my gosh. I remember when I was, taking a class on dream interpretation, and one of the uh, teachers was talking about how his lady he worked with, she had this dream about she was in her house, and she could smell fire, she could smell smoke. And she kept going everywhere, she's looking in the upstairs, she's looking here, she's looking in the basement, she's looking everywhere. She's trying to find the source of the smoke. And finally she gets to her kitchen, and in the bottom cupboards, she opens it up and all the smoke comes out. But when she woke up, it was just such a strong, vivid dream. She knew God was trying to tell her something. And she couldn't quite figure it out. 
Well, about a month later, she ends up having this health crisis. She goes in and comes to find out her lower intestines were all inflamed and she had a health issue. She thought back to that dream. She's like, oh, the kitchen, food, right? And my, the bottom cupboards, my lower intestines, smoke was coming out. God was trying to tell me a month ago that I was starting to get some inflammation in my lower intestines. So the doctor at that time had prescribed her some medication, told her she had to take a month off of work and rest, which she did. About a year and a half later, she has that dream again. And now she knows what it means. And so she instantly told her work, hey, I got to get up, come off two projects, and I need to watch what I'm eating, and I need to try to rest a little bit better, but I know that my lower intestines are starting to inflame again. And so she took it easy for about a month, and she ended up having no problems, and she didn't have that dream ever again. Now, God was able to show her once, right before it was diagnosed, what was going on, and then when he gives her that dream again, now she knows what to do. So... It's really awesome how we ask God things and we want his insight, but then we don't always realize when he's talking to us and when he wants us to know things. When we look in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 2, I love this. He's saying, he's, it says, Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart. Do not utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. It's a pretty strong statement. You're probably thinking, what does that have to do with dreams, Mary? Basically, he's saying, don't always tell God what to do. Don't always, you know, like you're, you're asking him for help, and then how many of us tell him exactly how he's going to fix the problem? Have you ever done that? I've done that. Like, God, I'm going to ask you for this, and this is how you're going to do it. And God, you know, why this isn't happening? Let me tell you why. I know better than you. Um, yeah, I do that. Hello, I've told you that. I talk to God a lot of times. He's like, how many times I don't, he's looked at me and been like, Mary, your words should be few. He lets me ramble, just like my husband does. He lets me go on and on and on and on. Why do you think he symbolizes intelligence in my dreams and I do not? Because his words are few. <laughs> he thinks about what he says before he says it. I don't. But then I love the next verse. It says, a dream comes when there are many cares and many words mark the speech of a fool. What an odd place and an odd statement in the midst of talking about our words. Think about that. It says, do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart. Do not utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. A dream comes when there are many cares and many words mark the speech of a fool. What an interesting passage. In the midst of... You think you know it all? He makes a statement. God is in heaven, and your dreams come when you have many cares. But many words mark a fool. What is, what, what is the whole point of that, right? Sometimes the Old Testament that was written, you know, a couple thousand, three, three, four thousand years ago, these statements don't make very much sense to us when we translate them to English. But I will tell you what I believe the author here that is being inspired by God that is giving us wisdom is trying to say. When you have problems and you think that you can come up with the answer yourself, it's God that is in heaven and he is telling you the answer in your dreams. 
The dreams come to you when you have many cares, when you're trying to figure out what to do. You can use all your words and be a fool and come up with it yourself. Or you can be quiet, know God is in heaven, and listen to your dreams. I love how it says, a dream comes when there are many cares. When all of a sudden you're struggling and you, and you don't know what to do and you're asking God, what do I do? And all of a sudden you get this dream. It is literally God trying to talk to you and tell you something. Again, the biblical culture, they knew this. There's so many stories, so many places I can read to you about dreams. There's a few that we're going to look at today. How do we know, again, dreams come from God? Well, let's look at Joel 2.28. We looked at this last week, but let's look at it again. It says, and afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people, not just on the preachers, not just on the prophets, on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Now remember, dreams are what the Bible calls visions of the night. So whether it's a daydream or a day vision or a night vision or a what we call just dream, dreams of the night, these visions, these dreams that they're talking about are from God. And he's trying to talk to us. So when you have a care, when you have this wonder, when you're worrying, God is trying to tell you, and he's going to tell you through the emotion because he knows the emotion is going to cause you to do something. With my friend who I say, we need to deal with this childhood issue, words meant nothing to him. But a dream that moved him emotionally, now all of a sudden he's willing to listen. So God uses dreams because he wants us to feel it. He wants us to be inspired. He wants us to have something different want to go on. So what about the naked dreams? I mean, think about how many times we hear about it when kids are in high school, right? Oh my gosh, I had the dream where I go to high school and I'm naked. Being naked means you're vulnerable. Someone is seeing like what you're really like, your, your, your private parts, right? The things that you try to keep hidden. So those are dreams, again, not about your sexuality, but about your vulnerability. So, you know, I would say, well, what's going on in your waking life, right? Maybe in their waking life, they want to tell, you know, a family member about something the doctor just told them, but they're afraid of how they're going to respond. They don't want to be vulnerable. They don't want to show this person this or that. Or maybe at work, they're having struggles and they're afraid to ask for help. So they're having these vulnerabilities. So again, a lot of times when you have a dream and you're trying to interpret it, you have to say, okay, what what were you thinking about when you went to bed? What are you been praying to God about? What are some of the answers you're seeking? Sometimes it's about our childhood. And we don't realize that things that happen in our childhood then are, are affecting us in our waking life. We see that dreams can give us good news. They can give us instruction. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, I mean, this is a classic one. You've heard it before, but that's okay. It's uh, Joseph, right? Joseph doesn't know if he should marry Mary or not. And it says, but after he had considered this, he was considering divorcing her, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, 
She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, he didn't wake up and say, oh, was that a demon trying to deceive me? No, again, that culture, the Middle East culture, they understood that all the dreams came from God. And so he did not even question it. Once he had that dream, he knew that he was going to take Mary. And he did name the boy Jesus because the angel told him that. Now, that was a very literal dream. There was no symbolism in that. So we know that these dreams come from God and they can bring us good news. But a lot of us, because we haven't been raised in a Middle Eastern culture where we ask our small children what, what's going on, we explain to them the symbolism and do all those things, they have no idea. The other night I had a dream that there was a dead bear in the hot tub at the house I was at. Now, for many of you, if you had a dream about a dead bear in a hot tub, it'd probably be very weird. For me, it was very clear as soon as I woke up. My mother's name was Ursula, which means little bear, and she's dead. So I was dreaming about my mother, my dead mother. And so she was in the hot tub. So then I had to look at what was my emotion when I found it, what was I doing, what was the action. You know, I've been, I've been thinking a lot about my mother lately. So that was just, you know, my, literally my mother being in the dream with me. So it's symbolic. So it has this meaning. It has this, it, it, it's trying to talk to us and give us something. Sometimes it's comfort. Sometimes it's a new understanding. We see that sometimes these dreams will then change our course of action. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 12, again, we're kind of going along this theme here of, of the uh, Christmas story, right, at the birth of, of Jesus. And the wise men had come to visit. So in Matthew chapter 2, they had just come to visit. They brought their gifts, right? The Herod had told them, after you visit, the newborn king, come tell me where he is, so I want to go worship him. And it says in verse 12, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, the wise men returned to their country by another route. So they didn't go by the main capital where Herod was. They, they went around a different way, so he wouldn't know that they had left the country. Again, they have a dream. They instantly know it's from God. They follow it. And then, you know, the passage goes on. Right next, we see that when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. Now, we see in the Bible how they would have one dream and make a decision. We see it in the book of Acts with Paul in Acts chapter 16, verse 9. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia standing there and begging him, come to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, he got up at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So these biblical characters here that lived a long time ago, about 2,000 years ago, they would have a dream and they would take an action. 
Now, for us today, I often warn people, do not have a dream and the next day take an action. Why? Because you haven't been raised in a culture and probably understand the symbolism. And so I, I often tell people, like, if you have a dream and you really feel strongly that God is asking you to make a decision, he will confirm it in other ways. Make sure and talk to somebody. Talk to an elder of the church. Talk to me. Talk to a pastor. Talk to somebody and say, okay, I had this dream, and this is what I think the symbolism means. This is the decision I think that God is showing me. Again, one of the, one of the guys that I listened to, he had kept having a dream that he was moving to Montana. Now, in his waking life, there were no job opportunities in Montana. There was no family in Montana. There was no reason for him to move to Montana. He asked his spiritual advisors. He talked to his friends. He talked to his wife about it. Nobody had any, you should move to Montana. So he never did, and he never understood what that meant. Then later on in his life, he was talking to somebody about it, and they said, oh, this phrase that he kept hearing when he was moving to Montana was something that people in Montana use all the time, and it had a special symbolic meaning. And when he heard what that phrase meant, all of a sudden it made sense why he kept dreaming that during that time of his life. So again, because dreams are symbolic, the question is, is this confirming something in your waking life? So you have to make sure that as you develop the gift of interpreting the dreams and understanding this new thing that God is trying to show you biblically and through your pastor as you're, as you're hearing sermons, that you start applying it to your life. Um, people's names a lot of times will have meanings in dreams. So there's a person in my life whose name means gift from God. But when I have a dream with this person, he's unwanted. It's somebody that I don't want to be in my life. So even though his name means gift from God, I understand that it's an unwanted gift from God. Now, why would I not want something from God? Well, I shouldn't, right? So when I have a dream of this unwanted gift from God, all of a sudden in my waking life, I look and say, okay, what's going on, right? Is somebody offering me help? Is this like a gift from God and I don't want it? And I'm trying to reject it. So, you know, sometimes their um, dreams have to be looked at from a big picture. One time I had a dream that I was purchased a house, I was given a house, and it was full of furniture. And I was so excited about this new house, I go to move in, and I want to rearrange the furniture. But the original owners were still living in the house, and I was afraid that if I rearranged the furniture that they would think that I didn't like their style. So I kept living with the furniture arranged the way it was, even though I owned the house and it was all my stuff, because I didn't want to hurt their feelings. Now, when I woke up, what do you think that God was trying to tell me? What do you think that dream was about? It was about people-pleasing, right? You own the house. You own the furniture. You're too afraid to move it and be comfortable and do what you want to do because you're too worried about hurting somebody else's feelings. Now, that seems very, you know, um, obvious. But in my dream, it wasn't the real person that I was people-pleasing at the time in the real situation. God didn't give me a literal dream. Instead, he showed it to me in, in this format. So the Holy Spirit was who I should have been following and not people, not trying to do things to please people. 
God will give us direction in our dreams. He'll give us news in our dreams. And he can give us blessings in our dreams. We see Solomon. I love this passage here with Solomon. It's uh, 1 Kings chapter 3. If you're not familiar with who Solomon is, he was the son of David. So David was a man after God's own heart. And he loved the Lord, and he wanted to build a temple, and, and he led the children of Israel in a lot of battles. They were able to take over the promised land. He's the one that slayed Goliath. And his son Solomon was made king after he left. And Solomon wasn't perfect, though. That's why I love this. Like, God blessed Solomon even though he was not perfect. But, so we see him here in 1 Kings chapter 3. Verse 3 says, Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given him by his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. The king, which was Solomon, went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place, and Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask me for whatever you want me to give. Now his answer's kind of long, so I won't go into all of it. But in verse 9, he finally says, so, so, because of all the stuff I just rambled on about, which was really cool, but not relevant to what we're doing here, give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong for who is able to govern this great people of yours. What is he saying? Give me wisdom. That's what I want. Just give me wisdom. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. Verse 12 says, this is the Lord responding, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. A lot of times I feel as though, depending on what the dream is about, I'm faced with a situation and I respond in the dream. And when I wake up in the morning, I will think, why did I respond that way? And, and sometimes in those dreams, I realize, like, that was my true heart character. That is what I would have really done. And I need to acknowledge that in my waking life. So... In this dream, Solomon responded to God with, even though I could ask for wealth, even though I could ask for women, even though I could ask for doubling my kingdom, what I really need, God, is wisdom, right? The, the, the modern-day people would say it's your subconscious responding, so maybe his subconscious really was fearful that I'm going to make wrong decisions and I'm going to lose the kingdom my father has. What I really, deep down in my heart, need is to know how to make the right decisions. And God was pleased that deep down in his heart, what he really wanted was wisdom and guidance from God. And so next week we'll continue with this interpretation of dreams and we'll look at a few other areas, um, you know, again, more of how to interpret these dreams because I really feel like it's a disservice for any pastor. And, you know, of course, I didn't know this growing up. We didn't really say, wow, a third of the Bible is dreams and they're all from God and they all seem to know how to interpret it. Do you think the blessings God had for them back then is for us today? 
Well, we say the healing from back then is for us today. We say that, you know, all these other things, the salvation, this, that is for us today. So why not the interpretation of dreams? Why not say, hey, God, you gave them wisdom. You talked to them in their dreams. Can I not talk to me in my dreams? Oh, maybe you already have been, and I just didn't realize. So we need to look at these things, we need to examine these things, and we need to, again, hear more and more examples and understand what these things mean to us today. But again, just like I, the disclosure I told you last week, please do not make any major life decisions until you truly feel like you understand the symbolism and you have confirmation in your heart when you do have these dreams. But I'm going to continue to pray that you have very vivid dreams, that you have clear dreams, that you're able to write them down. And as the next week goes on, that you will be able to begin to realize that God is talking to you in your dreams. So it's okay. I'm going to pray over all of you. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is with us 24 hours a day. And a third of our life is asleep. And just like a third of the Bible is dreams, a third of our life is dreams. So when you talk to us, help us to recognize it. Help us to understand it. Help us to receive the comfort that you're giving us. Help us to understand the warnings that you give us. Help us to ask for the blessings that you show us in these dreams. But we have to have clear eyes to see them and to understand them. So as we begin to learn and to see in the Bible how you gave dreams to people, help us to see the dreams that you're giving us today. We ask you for them and we thank you for them. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope you have a wonderful week. The Blessing Shop is open downstairs. I bet Claudia can run down there and help Miss Marlene in the Blessing Shop. Maybe. And all of you men... Make sure you grab a treat on your way out, and thank you so much for being a role model to those here in the community. God bless.